Death in Magic Castles is the short film winner of Best Animation at the Under Five Minute Film Festival with the director, Carrie Barber. Uh, what an amazing animation film, uh, perfectly timed under five minutes. This is a, obviously a personal story for you, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's a very personal story and the first time I've done a personal story. So this was uh, definitely outside of my comfort zone. So it's unfortunate that uh, your, your uh, son, uh, unfortunately, this is about your son passing away, I guess, right? Right, exactly. And so, you know, when he passed away as a documentary filmmaker, normally working a traditional documentary, um, I didn't really know how, I, if I would work in film again, I just couldn't find like the creative energy or mm -hmm. to start something new. I've finished up projects that I had previously started, but I, I didn't know if I could. So that's kind of what this film was in a way is to see, is it possible? And I just didn't see how to make this film um, in traditional documentary style that made any sense to me. So you like, obviously this is like, no, I can't even imagine. So basically, obviously a very personal story. So it's like, a, I, I'm assuming a little bit therapeutic. I would, one would assume uh, making the film. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of reading also, cause that kind of scared me. I'm not a therapist, you know, I don't know anything about these things. I just experienced it personally. So um, I did read up, I was like, is this actually dangerous? Is there something, is this a bad idea to try to, you know, deal with emotions, deal with grief and deal with loss by creating something like this when I really don't know what I'm doing, you know, in terms of therapy or that sort of thing. It's really, yeah. but then, you know, everybody says it doesn't matter. You should, you know, you have this experience, share your experience. You're not, it's not, a, you know, and that it could be helpful to somebody else and it's worth trying. So yeah, it's definitely, it definitely was therapeutic. And I was very lucky to work with um, a team who uh, surprisingly were super understanding and compassionate and really stepped up when I had trouble sometimes making difficult decisions, which is usually not a problem I have. But in this case, with this story, I had tough, I had a lot of trouble making tough decisions. And I was really lucky to have a team who was happy, was willing and able to step up and step in when I was having those problems. Yeah, okay, well, good. I'm gonna get to that in a second, but the thematic of your film is kind of about bringing death and life closer together kind of in the western world where you know like you like i think you, you kind of alluded that in the in the blog blog interview that there's like a taboo or there's a there's a dysfunctional relationship that with death that that we we sometimes have i guess right yeah yeah and it's interesting this first kind of occurred to me probably many many years ago and i saw a documentary that's like a very long multi-part documentary called a lion in the house by stephen bogner and um julia reichardt and um, it was a fantastic, like five hours, I might be wrong about the time, but very long documentary on PBS um, about children with cancer. And if anybody hasn't seen it, I hate to spoil it, but most of them die. And so I was like, but watching that film, it, I realized it wasn't really about children with cancer, really it was about like, how do people react to death? And I remember that film was really poignant to me. Some families like literally just walked away and left the kid, they could not face it. Other families divorced and the whole family was destroyed. And yeah. other when faced with this horrible thing really stepped up in amazing ways and, and I think we don't know who we are until we're in that moment like any stressful kind of moment yeah. we don't know how we're going to react over there and um but I thought that film was very interesting and I thought that um that's when I, I guess that idea and that was many years ago so then when this personal tragedy happened to me I reflected on that film and thinking about like what do we do when people die here I feel like other cultures and some cultures within the U.S. and some religions have processes to externalize and talk about. Even the movie Coco, the very cute, I forgot Pixar, right? A movie Coco that came out a few years of animation, kids movie, that was really interesting how, you know, uh, Mexican culture and externalizing of grief and all of this. So 
I thought about like, what about mainstream U.S. culture? I don't think we really have a, we don't really have something. Well, there's a, there's a business around it, I guess, right? Like in terms of religion and if you call religion a business and, and other aspects yeah. about dealing with it because there's, they want a conclusion to what, I guess, what happens, I guess, right? So, and so, and, and I guess like, and of course, like I, I understand exactly what you're saying. So let's get to the, to the film itself because it's really stunningly animation. So you, you're, not a, a, you're not a traditional animator. This is your first animation film, correct? Yeah, and I did not, I didn't, I directed, um, I worked with a uh, animator who I met. I took an online class during COVID just because I had nothing, you know, stuck at home during COVID like many people. I couldn't work on any projects. So I took an online class in animation, both in design and both, and then also in animation. And, but through that, I met the person I would end up working with on this project who was also involved in that class. Um, and so I, so really, I want to give props to him. He did a lot of incredible, he was supposed to be the motion designer, but he would much uh, beyond what he was supposed to do and was really uh, an excellent partner in this. So yeah, this was my first work in animation of any kind. I teach a motion graphics class, but I haven't really done work myself until now. And so your partner on this was Gabriel O'Connor. He was the animator? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we met online in a class and honestly, I, he just posted one time on Facebook that he was having trouble finding work that he found meaningful. Uh, you know, he wasn't, I mean, you know, you, you do certain work to pay bills, but he wanted to work on projects he felt were meaningful. Yeah. And he posted um, some of his work, uh, samples of his style. And I, and by the way, his real goal in life and what he really works on is he wants to be a children's book uh, illustrator is kind of his main goal. He's a young guy, like I forget, mid mid 20s maybe and he wants to be a children's book illustrator and so his style of animation really kind of reflected that childlike um sort of you know uh, mindset that he has and you know with children book illustration and stuff so i kind of thought that that simplicity and childlike thing i thought would be really appropriate for this story and this topic um and that's why he, I, I he did an incredible job <laughs> so but talk talk to me about the story itself so do you did you like sit down and write like a script about like what you wanted in the film yeah that was so hard and i tell people like when they ask how long this took to make and i say it took a couple of years to make this but the thing that's shocking is that about a year and a half was all just on the script and it's only five minutes you know we're only talking about a couple of pages but it took me about a year and a half to be able to write this script um, cause it's just so hard. I've never written something personal before. Um, you know, I write scripts, but I've never done something personal and never something this difficult. So, um, yeah, it, the, finding the words, finding the story I wanted to tell, finding the parts that I could, I wanted it to be sort of a, you know, a brief film like it is. Um, I wanted that, but I couldn't figure out what part of the story to tell. So I really struggled with that. And that's where I think him and uh, my husband and other people really came in handy because I just had a lot of trouble figuring out what direction to go and feedback was super important. Well, let, let's uh, let's break it down because I'm just curious because the, the film just a, it's a really interesting um, beginning. Obviously your colors are green and blue and then you kind of show nature right from the beginning and then like you know like it like maybe like a fifth like 45 seconds in there the nature in the, the blue and the, and the green kind of melds into the into the world and then that melds into a child in, in, in a womb mm -hmm. and it sort of like starts it's really sets the tone of your entire piece in so many ways right so did you write that down like you did you write this, this, described everything you wanted animation in the film um no i think it was kind of a 
it was a bit of a back and forth, uh, a bit of a balance, I would say, on the input there. Certain things were really my idea and certain things were very much his idea. And then also my husband had not, he's not in this field, but he also brought in some, some of the ideas in there were from him too, mm -hmm. uh, somebody on the outside. Um, but we, the starting with uh, nature and location, that was something I always, uh, starting with uh, what, the magic castle, the location. So that's something we spent a lot of time with. And I did a lot of photography and recording of audio to share that because uh, Gabriel wasn't able to come here. It was during COVID and he lives in, um, I think, Alabama. I can't even remember. <laughs> Something like that. You're in Nevada. He's in Alabama. You guys just talking on Zoom. Or right. On yeah. So I shared like a lot of photography and video and audio too, to try to help sell that location, yeah. um, to understand it and photos of it in different seasons and stuff like that. Because as we wanted to transition from spring into winter, of course, to symbolize sadness. So we had photos of different. So that was kind of a, the starting place with it. But then it was really a previous work he had done that I saw. It was about a young girl with a sword and she was sort of a heroine that that, that I said, this is, this is the look I want. So yeah. a previous work he had done on, on a different story that I, I said, let's adapt this kind of look for this piece that sort of, and I forget what it's called, but very like geometrical sort of shape um, style with like um, the sharp edges and everything that came like from a previous idea he had. So there's, there's like two, like what appears to be two boys kind of playing like horse playing. They're playing with like uh, soccer. They're playing like, uh, it seems like they're playing in the woods and with, yeah. with uh, and then there's like an observer, I guess. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, so they're in some, they're in, they're in some sort of, what, what would you call it? You say it's death and magic castles is the title of the film. It's like, I don't want to say purgatory, but they're in, they're in some sort of magic world, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, because there's like this parallel world when somebody, when you're experiencing grief or somebody dies, there's, you live in a parallel world. You live in the physical world that you're in, but that's really a small percentage of your life at that point. 90% uh, of your life is this internal world of, you know, full of turmoil and all these things that can't be seen, which is why animation felt perfect. But yeah, what's hard, to, I think, to understand is that that world is as real as the physical world people see and the physical world that people see when you're experiencing grief, what they see you doing. And this is so, so small in comparison to the world that is internal, which is kind of that world you're describing. And then there's like that mad, there's a powerful moment where like the two people are, but are putting their heads together, loved ones, I guess, and then, then the glass shatters, I guess, yeah. right? It's almost like the relationship shatters, I guess, right? Yeah, which the night that my son died, I Googled something about children's death and divorce because I was I was like is this the end of this too you know and I think that's just something I don't know why but that's something that happens a lot so I think that was a question maybe that like shattering that moment it was a question of is this the end of everything that's um, a, that, sorry I just I don't mean to like prize yeah. but that's the first that's what you googled that night like you googled yeah. well, like that I, I thought because I was asking you know wondering myself is is this is the end of you know this is this the end of absolutely everything in my life you know is this the end of my life I guess you could say the divorce gotcha. you know? Am I going to have divorce? Is the family gone? Is the perhaps career that is everything ending in this moment? You know, so there's that question of is this the end of absolutely everything? Because for a lot of people, sadly, it is actually. Yeah, it's very. I guess it's very common. I guess very right. Common. Yeah. yeah. So there's part of me that like that hit me in that night. It felt like maybe everything was gone. So I think that's what that like, that shattering of the two people was sort of meant to symbolize. I mean, luckily that didn't happen to us. But that does happen and that's a fear in that moment is this the end of absolutely everything and then you're kind of like following i guess like you're just falling like you have yeah, you know the date fall. right october 2016 and then, then mm -hmm. there's like this depth of like of despair i guess right yeah yeah the sense of falling with nothing to cling on to nothing to reach out to which is sort of what i that feeling of uh, what do i do when somebody dies you maybe not everybody but i'm like i feel i should do something which is when i why i thought some kind of like 
you know, a tradition and a physical sort of mourning an external mourning that some cultures have might be useful for some people here. Because some people I don't know if it's everybody but for me it was like, what do I do, you know, I felt I needed to do something even if it was like a ritual or something I didn't know what it was. But yeah, so that feeling of falling is the feeling of have nothing to grasp onto. And then, but you land on a couch. I guess I'm saying you, but the character, yeah. the abstract character in the film lands on a couch. And then there's like a presence, I guess. And like, I guess people are trying their best to help yeah. you, I guess. Yeah, people are offering advice. And we worked internationally. So a lot of our friends are sort of international. They came, they visited or called and everybody had these different sorts of advices or suggestions or even cultural things that they would bring. And I, I actually found that really in interesting and I appreciated that quite a bit. Um, but I felt like we we're just grabbing all these different cultures. Okay, we'll do a little bit of Buddhism. Okay, we'll do a little bit of Christianity. Mm -hmm. We'll just throw in whatever culture people or religion people are giving us, we'll try it out. So we we're kind of mixing all these religions and cultures together to try to figure out like, what is our thing? How do we, what do we do? You know, how do we move together in some way of external mourning? I don't know. I talked to someone recently about a similar, and she, she was mentioning that people kind of ran away from her. Like they didn't want to talk to her at all. Like they just, because they didn't know what to say. They were scared or whatever. That's so they kind of avoided it. That was in the script initially, yes. Yeah. Uh, first time I took my son, I didn't have a choice. Our son who was living, I had to take him to school. We can't, you know, avoid that. So the first time I took him back to school, it was just painful to walk him up to the school and people literally ran to their cars to avoid having to talk to me and because they were and they later apologized but they said they just didn't know what to say they were like literally it was like uh, you know uh, I walked in the seas parted and everybody ran and hid yeah like, but it's not fair to your son at all I guess right yeah kids were better than adults kids were better the kids would come up and they ask blunt questions they ask weird questions but it's better than nothing yeah it's like, that's the thing. It's just like, it's, it's about making it normal, right? Like it's so interesting yeah. that you said kids, like they just, because they, they're just, they're on their instincts. They're just, they're just being them who themselves, generally speaking, whereas yeah. we have so, so many guards up, right? Adults. And right. we're like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I appreciated the bluntness of kids after that. Of course. Like, I, even if people, other people are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, no, I don't care what questions they ask. Actually, that's not, that's, it's kind of refreshing so the next the second part is almost like a re, it's like almost like a reconstruction or like a recovery I guess yeah reconstruction I like that word yeah yeah some kind of reconstruction um I he died October 1st and I don't know why but at some point I gave myself until January 1st I said you don't have to try anything you don't have to try to move you don't have to do anything don't mm -hmm. do anything don't try to work don't try it don't don't try it's okay until January 1st I said January 1st we're gonna start again so I gave myself this, I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. I'm not a professional, but I gave myself a timeline and said, January 1st, we begin again. I'm not sure what, but something. And so um, I did that. So I gave myself total permission to not do anything till January 1st of that year. So January 1st, I said, here it starts. I'll send one email regarding a film I've been working on, one email, that's the start. And so um, it was sort of that decision that I have to do something. And then I, then that also sort of led to us um, returning to the what we call the magic castle, the place they like to play in the woods, yeah. returning to it, to maybe that's our externalizing is this physical space and this location. I've always had a, all my films have had an obsession with sort of like our connection to a place um, as we're sort of nomadic in the way our humans yeah. can be. And I think there's something special and I don't have it, but I see some people who have it, connection to this place has something interesting that I feel I don't have. I'm always jealous of people who do. But, um, but in this case, I thought that maybe it is about connection. This place is something and maybe we can make it something. Uh, the place we call the magic castle, which is just a thicket in the woods where they would play. 
Yeah, well, no, it's interesting what you just said, like, because it's like, I think that that's part of humanity, like we're the evolution of us, we always have a home, I guess, right? We always have somewhere to land, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think Americans, some have it and some really struggle with not having it. Some maybe don't care, but maybe I'm somewhere in between where I've always not had it, but kind of thought it seems like we should. I don't know. No, no, but it's like, I, I remember, I, I don't think I had it for years or decades. And then because, but then you, it's, there's something unnatural about it, I guess, right? So the yeah. way, the way even describing this, it's like, this is, it makes sense. Like the way you just, even like, even when you're watching the film, it's like an experimental in nature where, yeah, this is, this is the home. This is the, this is the landing place, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I guess that for me, it was a place So maybe other people, maybe it's something else, but I do think there's something important about externalizing grief in a physical space so that that crazy uh, tumultuous every crazy all this crazy stuff that's happening inside can somehow coexist with the physical life outside that people see somehow to make the two coexist and not be completely separate because that feels so unnatural to yeah. have your internal world and your external world I mean, in a way, it's what society might want. They might, they don't want to see, you know, the internal. Sometimes that's what I, what I say. It's sort of a problem with our society. Maybe they don't want to see or acknowledge that. But to somehow make those two work together, um, I think is healthier. Yeah, and just like I said, again, like kudos to his animation. Like it's very simple, but but mm -hmm. it's it it makes total sense. It serves the story. Like it it serves the purpose of the story so well. So I think your animator is on, on his way to a nice career if he wants to. Yeah, yeah, that's what's so great is he's very um, he's idealistic, uh, kind of, he's, like I said, mid-20s and he has three kids. Um, he's a stay-at-home dad, yeah. So he does corporate jobs here and there, but I think he's a really, you know, an idealist who wants to do more meaningful work and that's why he chooses to live in a cheaper cost of living place. So he's doing a passion project and he's got- Yeah, so he can't that's... do passion projects and stuff. That's, I don't think I would, I would able, be able to do, <laughs> do that. I, like I admire him even more. But in the, obviously the film, I, mean, I know you're, it's your film and you're so close to it, but I don't think there's a dry eye in the house when we watch this film because you give us the visual. Did you always like, was that like a debate to give like the pictures of your, of your son? No, for me, I always wanted to. That's just selfish, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to share it. I think, you know, like they say, when somebody dies, you want to hear their name, you want to say their name, you want to share. And yeah. I think that's more for me than for anyone else, probably. That makes sense. No, well, I, I think it, it gives context. It, it gives a lot, obviously. And it's like, it's just like, it, it's a tearjerker. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just crying like two minutes into the film. And then, of course, it's like, you're like, it's just, you're it just, you know what I mean? Like, you feel the pain, I guess, right? You feel the, 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 you you showed the emotion, I guess. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You sort like it's a it's a really great film. So like I just want I like I'm I'm very appreciative that I even watched it. To tell you the truth, so thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate. It. And there's one person whose feedback said something about the football players Zinedine Zidane and how he'll never hear that when he thought of heard the name before. He just thought of the football, uh, the headbutt in the World Cup. But now when he hears that, he'll um, he'll he'll always remember it differently. And that's really touching to me to hear feedback like that. And somebody say something uh, that this is something that they're going to remember. I never wanted people to leave just feeling sad. I wanted them to leave with try to like, you know, grappling with how can we as a culture uh, be more embracive of these emotions and of grief and of, I think that's a bigger question just than somebody who lost a kid but for all of us right now how can we embrace better sort of grief and uh, bring that into our lives in a way that uh, everybody is okay with 
So then you jumped. The, so what did the, what did you feel about the audience feedback that we sent you? Did did you, did you think that they got your story? Yeah, yeah, it was really impressive. You know, you're never sure how people are understanding that. I mean, I've shown it in festivals and gotten some responses before. But in festivals, when somebody stands up and responds, it's always quite brief and frankly, somewhat predictable. Yeah. Um, how you know? How did you get? I mean, somebody actually asked me. I hate to be negative, but they actually asked me how did what was the inspiration for this story, and I'm like. It was not obvious, but uh, so sometimes the questions can be a bit like, uh, you know, um, predictable, shallow, the same question or whatever. And so I did appreciate because this time I, I think people were really thoughtful in their responses um, and it went a bit deeper than you would typically get at a festival. Yeah, that's sort of our, our intention, I guess, is just to give you like the, the, the reaction, I guess. And so this to finish, I'm just curious because you mentioned the, the football player or the soccer player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, uh, he's the it's a French player. Was it was yeah. named after him. Was he your son was, named after him? Yeah. So my husband and I couldn't agree on a name for kids, and we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. We could not agree on anything. So finally, we just made a truce and said, if it's a boy, you name him. I get no veto. Girl, I name no veto. He said okay. He was born, and, it, and my husband said he will be Zinedine. I was like, what? I never heard the name before in my life. I didn't even know who the soccer player was. I was like, he'll be who? And so Zinedine Zidane, the football soccer player is yeah. Zizou. So that's how he got the same nickname as the French soccer player Zinedine Zidane. Oh, so that's his name and then he, he even took his nickname. In the, yeah, yeah. Oh. so he's actually, his real name was Zinedine, our son as well. And he took the same nickname uh, as the soccer player because my husband said it was his favorite player. And I said, I'd never heard of the is guy. Is your husband French? My husband's French, yeah. Okay, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. Well, he, he took them to the World Cup, right? So I don't know much yeah. about soccer or football, but I know I know that he's a pretty famous guy, right? So Yeah, so that was, a, it was a bit of a shock for me when that was his name too. <laughs> it's a great name. Like, it's a, yeah. All right, so thank you so much. Listen, thank you for sharing it. I know it's not easy, but it's like, it's just a really great film. Like, it really is. And uh, I hope, like, I'm, I'm sure it's getting in every film festival you submit to. I hope it's like you're getting a lot out of it. And uh, we really appreciate showing it because it's just like, it's one of my favorites of the year, so. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I hope it's helped, you know, I know it's sad, but I hope it also is helpful for people and gives some ideas about their own, whatever they're struggling with too. No, but I think that to go back, I think it, it does bring, it. like I said, there's that, like it says, when you say in your synopsis, it's like it's bringing life and death closer, I guess, right? And I think yeah. that's an important subject that that's not talked about. Right. So it's like, I think that you're just, you're just lending the hand of like, of that kind of bringing that out more to the mainstream, I guess. Yeah, that's what I hope. Well, thank you. Well, you succeeded. That's basically what I'm saying. So congratulations. And uh, let's talk again. I don't know what you're going to make another animation film or but I'm sure you're very talented. So yeah, I got another, but it's a feature length traditional documentary coming up next year. Very different. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope I'm able to see it then we can talk again. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel, Shlemazel.